0: to go. Thank you for joining me today, New York Radio. We're going to begin a new series today. What we're going to do, we're going to look into the heart of Jesus. Now, how great is that? You know, we have a God that we love, that we worship. He loves us. The best thing we can do is look into his heart, learn about him. What makes Jesus move? compassion sensitivity what makes him do the things that he does let's see what's important to Jesus in this series we're gonna be looking at what is called his high priestly prayer now we know that in the Sermon on the Mount Jesus Oh yeah, he poured out his heart. He spoke about things that were the dearest to him. He talked about blessed people, salt and light, anger and lust. He talked about divorce and vengeance and forgiveness. talked about the poor, other things as well. We get to John chapter 17, and we have what is called Jesus' High Priestly Prayer. Talking to the Father. Now, when I read this prayer, I see him praying about things that, again, they seem to be the most dear to him. In this prayer, he prays about salvation and eternal life, the cross. He prays about glory, his disciples. He even prays about all future believers. So this study is intended that we would come to see more of the things that are close to Jesus' heart. Oh, what makes Jesus tick, so to speak? What's deep within his heart? So we pick it up in John 17, verse 1, when Jesus spoke these things and lifting up his eyes to heaven. He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given me, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Wow, that our prayer. That's only part of it. It's a beautiful prayer. Let's take a look at this prayer back in verse one. When Jesus spoke these things, what does he mean? These things? His going to the cross? and ascending to the Father, and the scattering of the disciples. He prayed about glory. He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Oh, Jesus knew something. He knew that the hour has come. And what is that hour? The plan of salvation has come to fruition you know, that's why Peter could say, for Jesus was foreknown before the foundation of the world. The word foreknown is the word pro It means to know beforehand. Foreordained to be the sacrifice for our sins. That's Jesus. God always had a plan. He always knew what he was going to do. I wish I was like that. But he always knew. So Jesus prayed, Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Now, it was Palm Sunday in John 12, when Jesus said, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And then he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. What was Jesus talking about? He was the grain of wheat. He was the one that was going to die. And he's speaking of the cross. See, the cross was the glory of Jesus. And you know why? He was never more majestic than in his death. Oh, he was majestic in his life, but never more majestic than in his death. The cross was his glory, because its it was the magnet that drew men to him in a way that even his life had never done, and so it was, right? Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself, and it drew you, didn't it? It drew me. Oh, it drew so many people, and it continues to draw people every day. So, even the Roman centurion at the foot of the cross, when he saw Jesus nailed to the cross, he said, Truly, this was the Son of God. He had a realization, he had a spiritual awakening. You know why? He saw the majesty of Jesus. Now, that guy saw many people crucified. But no one ever acted like Jesus. Oh, I'm sure when other people hung on those Roman crosses, they were cursing and swearing and blaming Romans and crying out vengeance and everything else. And here's Jesus. Jesus is praying. (laughs) He's praying to his Father. It's incredible. That Roman centurion, he had an awakening. I wonder if he's in heaven. I bet he is. He recognized Jesus as the Son of God. It came true. What Jesus said in John 12 came true at Calvary. If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. Oh, came true right there. And therefore, the glory of the cross is because it was the completion of his work. We don't hear enough messages about the cross. We don't. latter lot churches don't even have a cross. Man, that is the focal point. That's the focal point of our Christianity. It's the cross. And it's not something to be ashamed of. And yes, the cross is offensive. Some pastor says, well, we don't have a cross because it offends the unbeliever. That's right. It is offensive. It reminds us of our sin. It also demonstrates the love of God for our sin. You don't want to cover that. You don't want to hide that message. It's not about a good life on earth. It's about eternal life in heaven. That's what the cross signifies. When Jesus prayed in his high priestly prayer, he prayed about salvation. He said in verse 3, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, this word eternal that Jesus used. It's the word Aeneas and it means everlasting. Not so much with regard to duration, but with regard to quality. Big difference. See, people that don't believe, they have an eternal duration, but they lack the quality. Everybody is going to live forever somewhere. Eternal life is the life of God. It is splendor, majesty, joy, holiness. It's a peace that passes understanding. So everybody is born with the life of God. Those that believe at that moment receive the quality of God's life. But to never be born again is to never have that quality of the life of God. It's just to have an eternal existence which will end up in the lake of fire forever and ever. So Jesus said that they would know you and that they would come to know me. It's a growing knowledge. It's a knowledge that we add to day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. We never stop growing and the knowledge of God. See, salvation is more than a prayer. It's knowing God. That's salvation. Salvation is knowing and growing in a relationship with God. It's not a magical word or magical potion. It's not a come into my heart and then walk away and go back to the world. No, it's a growing relationship with God and a knowing relationship with God. This is glory. There's glory in the cross. There's glory in our eternal relationship with God. Jesus prayed about glory being found in obedience. We hear talk, don't we? Give God the glory. How do you do that? By being obedient to to his word. In verse 4, Jesus said, I glorified you on the earth, and here's how I did it. Having accomplished the work which you have given me to do, That's how he did it. He did it with his life. Jesus brought glory to God by obeying and finishing the work that his father gave him to do. That's how. Remember when Jesus said, oh, the works that I do, my father gave me those works to do. The words that I speak, my father gives me those words. Jesus was totally submitted to his father in every way. In every way, totally and completely obedient to God the Father. And that's why he brought him glory. There was a man named H.L.G. and tells of a war incident from Bristol, England. And um, attached to one of the air raid precaution stations, there was a boy messenger called Derek Belfall. He was sent with a message to another station on his bicycle. On his way back, a bomb mortally wounded him. When they found him, he was still conscious. And then his last words right before he died, they were, Messenger Belfort reporting, I have delivered my message. And then he died. He finished the work that they gave him to do. In John 19, verse 30, Jesus spoke from the cross. And you know what he said. It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Oh, he finished the work that God the Father had given him to do. He glorified the Father. In his obedience to God the Father, he brought him glory. You think we could do that? I think so. I think in our obedience to God, we bring him glory. I think we do. Have you brought him glory lately? That's the question. You know, Jesus also had glory in his pre-existent form. You know, he lived before anything was created, and he had glory then. And he prayed about it. This is all part of his prayer. In verse 5, he said, Now, Father, glorify me. In other words, hey, I brought glory to you. Now, glorify me with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world, wow, was made. Think about it. Jesus had glory in eternity past. He came to earth. He glorified his Father. And now he's praying, Father, give me back that glory. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I finished my mission. Bring me back that glory. See, this prayer is a claim to his divinity. Oh, a lot of people think Jesus isn't God. Boy, are they are mistaken. <laughs> they got that one wrong, I'll tell you. He certainly is God. John 1 tells us of his pre existence. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You say, okay, big deal. Wait a minute. And the Word became flesh. Oh, he became a human and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory glory as of the only begotten from the Father. That means the only one born from God the Father. Oh, and he was full of grace. And full of truth. truth. He was just like his father. Grace and truth. John is saying, we witnessed him. We knew he's God come from God. And he took upon humanity. We saw him. We walked with him. We ate with him. We traveled with him for three years. We witnessed him. Oh, he's God. Secondly, his shared nature with God is mentioned in John 10.30. Jesus said, I and the father We're one. They're one in essence. They're made of the same stuff. Deity. As God the Father is divine, so is Jesus divine. He's God. Thirdly, this is why they killed him. Why did they kill Jesus? You know why? They killed him because, wait a minute, they said, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, you make yourself out to be God. Now, wait a minute. He made himself out to be God because he was God. And that's why they wanted him dead. Because he claimed to be God. You know, a Messiah would never have any chance with these people. Because if the whenever the Messiah would come, they would just kill him. Because he claimed to be God. Well, the Messiah was God. He came to his own, and his own received him not, right? So he never had a chance with these people. So Jesus not only had eternal existence in eternity past, the disciples witnessed his deity. The religious crowd killed him because he claimed to possess deity. Fourthly, he is a picture of God. Do you want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. The Apostle Paul, he finally came around. Remember when he was Saul of Tarsus? Oh, he's a bad dude. But he came around. And he said in Philippians 2.6, speaking about Christ, although he existed in the form of God, he's talking about eternity past, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. So what he's saying is that when, when Jesus came to earth, though he was God, he laid aside his deity, and he actually lived as a man. Everything he did, he did it as a man, with great faith in his father, and he knew his father always heard his prayers, because he always prayed according to the will of his father. He knew that. He never did anything. You know, he defeated Satan as a man. Think about that. What? He didn't defeat Satan as deity. He didn't defeat Satan as an angel. He defeated Satan as a man. I didn't think that one over. That's like a little leaguer striking out a major league baseball player. That doesn't happen too often. But Jesus, in his humanity, in his limited Human form defeated the highest angel that existed, Lucifer, who became Satan. Oh, Jesus beat him, defeated him, and ultimately he'll be sentenced to the lake of fire. You don't have to fear the devil. You don't have to rebuke the devil. You don't have to fight the devil. You don't have to kick the devil. All you have to do is ignore him. That's all. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. He's no match. He's already been defeated. Then, you know, not only do we have Jesus commenting that he's God, the Pharisees commented that he was God, the Apostle Paul commented that he was God, the disciples commented that he was God. God the Father said it too. He said it in Hebrews 1.8. Of the Son, he says... Oh, get this. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. God the Father said to Jesus, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. And that's taken from Psalm 45 6, by the way, quoted in Hebrews 1 8. So it's like, man, everybody is acknowledging that Jesus is God, except for some silly humans. Some silly, foolish humans, they think they know more. They think they know more than God. They think they know more than the disciples that walked with Jesus. They think they know more than the Apostle Paul. They, you know, they're wrapped up in their own willful, ignorance, and they fail to see the deity of Jesus. And that's not a good thing because they're going to end up with eternal life in a lake of fire. And that's not a good thing. We don't want that from anybody. That's why we're on the radio every day, to try to get the message out. And yeah, it's Christian radio, but hopefully you tell your non-Christian friends to listen. Or a non-Christian finds it on the dial. They find Christian radio, and they hear, and the Holy Spirit grabs their heart. Jesus is also eternal. We're going to wrap up the end of the Bible in Revelation 22, in verse 13. Jesus is commenting on himself. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. The Alpha and the Omega, what's that? Alpha, first letter of the alphabet. Omega, last letter. Greek alphabet. Um, Everything, what he's saying is, it's all about me. Everything is about me. And he can say that and not be arrogant. You know why? Because it's true. Everything is truly about the Lord Jesus. Everything is to him. Everything is through him. Everything is for him. We... Are for him. We live our lives through him. We dedicate ourselves to him. Why? Because he's worthy. Because of what he did for us. That's why he gave his life to us. We give our lives back to him. So when Jesus looked up to heaven to pray, he prayed about the glory of the cross. And you think about it, Jesus knew who he was, he knew where he came from, and he knew where he was going. Think about that. He knew who he was, he knew where he came from, he knew where he was going. He did not have an identity crisis, not like a lot of people in the world today. They have an identity crisis, they don't know who they are. Am I a boy? Am I a girl? Am I this? Am I that? I don't know who I am. I'm thankful Jesus knew who he was. In John 7, 33, Jesus said, For a little while longer and I'm with you. Then I go to him who sent me. Oh, he knew. He knew his life mission. And once he started, he never looked back. That's why. You know what the cross is? The cross is his way back to the Father. Oh yes, it's the instrument that God used to atone for the sins of the world. But it's also his way back to the Father. Think about that. You know, the Bible says the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. I've always preached that we were that joy, and I'm not going to say we're not. And your pastor probably preached, we are that joy But I just had a realization. I think there was another aspect of that joy. And you know what that was? That the cross was his way back to the Father. He's going home. He's going home to glory. He's going home to the glory that he left. And that glory is going to be returned to him. So the glory of God... For us, is for us to know him, to grow in that knowledge, to grow in that relationship. It's to obey him according to his word. And in this, as Jesus did, God is glorified. There it is, the glory of God. God is glorified in that. And isn't it all about bringing glory to God? Isn't that what life is about? I think so. I think life is about, I know it is. It's about bringing glory to God. So we're going to be looking at this high priestly prayer. You know why? It's a beautiful prayer. And when Jesus prays, he prays about the things that are closest to his heart. Oh yes, they are dearest to his heart, and we're going to see some things. We're going to we're going to get to know Jesus in a beautiful person way that will add to how we already know him. It's going to add to that, so I hope you can stay with me through this series. You know, it's all about getting close to Christ. It's all about growing in our knowledge of Him, and it's all about growing in our relationship with Him. That's what it's about. That's what the Christian life is about. It doesn't focus on material blessings, and it doesn't focus on everything we want. God is Uncle Charlie giving us all these wonderful gifts, Santa Claus. No, it's about us knowing God, growing and knowing. That's the Christian life, and that's what we need to focus on. And if we can make that the main aspect of our Christian walk, knowing and growing, you know what we're doing? We're actually giving glory to God. That's it, isn't it? I think it is. I know it is. In this, God is glorified. Imagine that. We mere human beings. We can glorify God. And the angels in heaven, they're looking down, they're going, Wow, look at that. Look at what those creatures down there can do. It's an incredible thing. That's the focus. Thank you for coming along. Don't forget to join the Hope Club. Get a devotional in your email box. Monday through Friday. Join the Hope Club. Go to our website, newhopecc.tv. Click the giving button, e-giving, subscribe. We'll put you on that mailing list. Thank you for coming along. Have a great day and I'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.